Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got another better than this guys being dudes dudes to the right dudes to the left stuck in the middle with you got another dude heisman trophy bronco nagurski award ultimate dudes got another dude o-line you bunch of dudes a lot of dudes yeah another dude in the house welcome to the lot of dudes podcast presented by fourth and dude Season 2, Week 6. It was more like Daz Mitzvah on Saturday, as the Eagles took Temple to church en route to their fourth win of the season. BC opened up the playbook like presents on Christmas morning, hanging 45 points on one of the top defenses in the country. But the competition steps it up a, steps it up a notch this weekend, as Big Bad Dave Dorn and the Wolfpack marked the start of a seven-game stretch with five opponents ranked in the top 28. On today's episode, we'll recap the big win over the Owls, let you in on an A.J. Dillon injury update directly from our official sources, and give you an NC State preview from the only podcasters that will be there live in Raleigh on Saturday. Matt, I tell you what, I didn't expect uh, religion to come into the intro here, but I loved it. That was, Do you get uh, it because Temple? Yeah, I think that, that immediately goes into my Hall of Fame. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, a win is a win. Saturday was... Not pretty by any means. Uh, I think I said last week that I'd be very disappointed if this was not by a few touchdowns. But at the end of the day, we got out of there with the win. There are still some major concerns for me on all sides of the ball. Uh, and the injury bug finally showed up, which obviously is unfortunate. But all that matters, 4-1 and one right now, on to next week. Exactly. You take a step back, and uh, we're 4-1 and one going into the meat of our schedule. And it's not ideal. It's not 5-0. and oh. But I think we'd all take four and one, um, you know, given all the variables that we've seen. One maybe not the best, too. Maybe not the best Boston College football that we all were hoping to see based on all the, the offseason hype. But it's a new season starting on Saturday, and uh, it's time for the boys to get going here as the schedule heats up. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, you know, again, we'll just dive right into it. It was such an ugly win. Um, you know, a 10-point win over a Mac school that, you know, lost to Villanova early in the year. Mac school. Of, they're an act school, Matt. Sorry, is that? I think I feel like that's worse than the Mac. I don't know. Uh yeah, it's probably about you the can, same. <laughs> you can make an argument either way. Um, but you know, the 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 first note I have here that I think we just need to hit on is special teams cannot figure it out for the life of them. Uh, there was a lot of attention again in the BC universe over the past week. A couple hypes articles, you know, just about what the root of the issue is. But you know, at the end of the day, whatever uh, is behind all of it. We had a fumble on the kick return, a dropped punt. Uh, dropped punt when we were trying to punt it, missed extra point, just absolutely brutal. I don't know what the answer is here. Of those three, it seems like hey, we fixed the kicking game, right? We're gonna. We're, I love Joe Tessitore. Uh, he's a great ambassador for for Boston College. His kid is in his own head right now. He should not be out there kicking. This Longman kid sounds like he is going to take the reins as long as Colton's uh, Lichtenberg's on the bench. So it sounds like that's fixed. I know he, he only had you know one field goal and a few extra points, but they all looked like money, Matt. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that problem is solved right there. The the, the punts, I agree with you. I, that This Grant Carlson guy just can't catch the ball. It almost, and, and it seemed like it was very suspicious. It, it, I wouldn't put it past him that he had money on the game, just given the, the timing and the, and the spread. You factor all those statement. in. It's a big statement, all right. And, and you, yeah, I mean, I'm only 50% serious about that but and maybe 75 <laughs> but you look at the replay and it's like that guy did that on purpose no he, and, uh, he has he has the yips worse than i think chuck knoblock ever had the yips it's like absolutely <laughs> incredible like again it's you talk about being in your own head he catches the ball and i think he just panics and has flashbacks to every time he's uh you know had a block punt or a drop punt it is and maybe that's the thing maybe like these these high level football schools invest in the right sports psychiatrist to like talk through the, the mental side of it and we just don't have that 
because there's really no excuse for a, a kid who I assume you know has been a punter his whole you know adult football career, is recruited to be a punter, and just gets to this next level and forgets how to even catch the ball. It's unbelievable. But I don't think psychiatry is the – well, he's millennials. Who knows, Matt? Uh, <laughs> but the, the third thing you brought up is Mikey Walker. That's officially a concern, and it sucks because he's so electric when he can't hold on to the ball that we need him out there. Uh, I don't think we have a better alternative. Maybe Jeff Smith, but uh, I don't think we want to go that direction. Maybe Glines, but he, when he's when he can't hold on to the ball, he's such a difference maker. So I don't yeah. think you pull him. I don't think you, you Belichick him yet and, and cut him from the team. So no, and again, hopefully and, and, he figures and, it out. And the hit that jarred the ball loose, to be fair, was like a pretty you know clean hit. It's right. That's you know, a good. It point. wasn't like he completely dropped it. Um, only other things I want to note on the special teams, you know, again, I think uh, a big one is that Tessator, you know, with the new red short, with the new red shirt rules, like we kind of have had this four game window to figure this out. So if he doesn't play the rest of the year, that's kind of I don't think no skin off anyone's back. Um, but I will add, I had a note here: missed extra points have officially become my. Uh, Inception totem from the movie Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's the one thing that tells me I'm not dreaming when it comes to Boston College football. Uh, the losses are just kind of everything kind of blend together. The, the wins kind of blend together. When I see a missed extra point, I know, okay, whatever I'm seeing, this is reality. Uh, it has become a comfort. And we're used to this now for 10 years, pretty much. I mean, at least since the Duke middle Schmidtle, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, regardless of who we put in there. Oh, it's a tradition. It's a Boston College tradition. Unlike any other, uh, a lot of a lot of teams out there just make the extra points, but you know you come to BC to uh, to persevere through that adversity. I guess I don't know, Matt. That's a that's a funny comment there you made. Uh, thanks, with the hey, thanks Matt. Appreciate that was good. it. Enjoyed that one. Uh, I do want to touch on the offense real quick, and I don't. I, I sort of uh, you know gave a little innuendo in the uh, in the intro, but we just we we put forty five points on what's considered to be coming into that game. You know, one of, the, one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, we touched on it last week. They shut out Maryland, uh, held held Maryland to zero points. Uh, pretty impressive, right? Maryland was a, was a pretty good offense coming into that game. Who knows? But it's, it's a Big Ten school that they shut out. If we can hang 45 points on them, I think that's pretty good. A lot of people were upset with the play calling, and I'd love to get your opinion on this because usually I'm on an island by myself on these. Uh, it seems like everyone just is is sick and tired of I don't know if it's the run first approach or if it's somehow uh piling on from the conservative uh play calling from last year which is no longer in existence you know you look at the the Philly special play you look at the we went for it on fourth and 15 I think that people that may not be all that knowledgeable about football are writing all these articles and, and more more on that to come uh it is my so yeah but but it seems like the the consensus is that people are sick of uh the play calling from Das and it's predictable. We run on first down. Yeah, guys, we have AJ Dillon. I mean, what do you, what do we want to do here? I, I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts. I, I think that we're going to be a run first team where we have a good line on paper and our highest outputs, by the way, points wise come on a, when we're run heavy, when we have, you know, when we're running more than 60% of the time, that's when we have our, our highest scoring games. Well, I'll say, I mean, I don't, maybe it's a credit to, uh, you know, our actual offensive units for making it look this way, but it was, I'd say, honestly, a pretty boring 45 points. Um, not that that's a bad thing. 45 points is still 45 points. But, you know, when you look at, like, the weight game, and maybe it's just because there were more big plays and more explosive plays, this was much more methodical. So, you know, it is the conservative style compared to what we saw with Wake and compared to what we saw really for the back half of the schedule last year. But if it puts up numbers, it's it's hard to complain about. If anything, the only negative note I had was using the Philly special, which, by the way, I think is a really – and I'm a little biased, but I think it's just a stupid name for a play. Like, what is – I don't get it, and I've, I've felt this way for a while. Why is this, like, just a special thing for Philly? Yeah, they obviously did it with the most success, but it's just a bad name. At least make it like a pun, something Philadelphia. I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I think, if anything, the criticism would be, you know, opening up your playbook that much when you're playing Temple. You know what I mean? A team that you could just wear down. So I don't have a problem with the conservative approach, especially in a game, uh, you know, like this. Well, At the end of but, the day, it's 45 points. That's The offense looked fine. You know, it, it looked fine, and it looked fine for the opponent, and I think we take it and we move on. Yeah, but, I mean, it was it was still a, a run-first approach. I don't think it we was. showed him the, the no, entire playbook. No, it was absolutely playbook. conservative, yeah. Um, and just, just going into the X and O's a little bit, one of the biggest concerns going into this game, really all, all season, has been the offensive line play, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I thought those guys looked a lot better, uh, particularly, particularly in the pass protection. Uh, they were still getting some penetration on us in the run game. Dylan was getting hit in the backfield, uh, but was still taking care of business. I mean, that guy's just an animal. 
But, uh, you know, on a lot of our touchdowns, uh, Brown was back there. He had all day to throw. He's still having a couple accuracy issues, it seems like. Uh, that Tommy Sweeney touchdown that was, was almost yeah. pretty much not a touchdown. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, it seems like overall I thought the line played a lot better. Uh, in particular, that that there was the they called the run on third and seven that the one that sprung Dylan for 50, 52 yards at the end of the first half. Um, the line got to the second level, and all you need is you know once once you get there, give Dylan less than two guys to right. to make miss, and he's gone every time. So uh, a couple plays like that, the line really jumped out at me. There was you know there's still some issues right uh, you know in there, but again it's it's a Temple defense that was you know one of the, the NCAA leaders in sacks, and it's a pretty solid unit you know they, they returned a lot of guys from last year et cetera, et cetera. it's not you know the level of competition they're going to be facing going forward but it's a step in, it's a step in the right direction from a pretty poor offensive offensive line play against uh, the likes of Purdue and Wake Forest yeah I think that's I think that's a fair takeaway uh again obviously a lot more time the question is is you know is Purdue good because of the four teams they played or, or I'm sorry is Temple good because of the four teams they played or is there actually something to it again remains to be seen but at the end of the day it looked good for what we needed it to look only two notes I have on the offense here um, you know, AB, a- his, it's a really bad habit. It seems like the way he looks down receivers, it's just like every single play. And, you, and once you kind of notice that he does it, it is every single play. He snaps it and he stares in the same direction and then he throws it. Um, and that's when mistakes happen when he has to read through progressions, whether it's just good coverage or whatever it might be, he finds guys that are wide open every time. So that to me seems like a fundamental issue that could easily be fixed. Obviously Leffler, you know, is a quarterback whisperer. We all know he worked with Tom Brady at Michigan. So I hope that someone is in his ear about this, what seems like a bad habit and seems like should be an easy fix. But obviously, well, you know how you is- fix it, Matt? And it seems like he's a better player when he's forced outside the pocket. He had an outstanding play. I think it was early in the third quarter. It's like a third and five or something. I don't know. But he escaped the pocket. Two guys were right in his kitchen because mm-hmm. no one blocked him. And he, he avoids a pretty big hit, steps out of it, you know, deeks the other guy. And then, you know, goes on the run and, and throws a 20-yard strike downfield to the tight end. So when, when you're dealing with that, you're not looking down your receivers. Well, there he's it is, right? Better, yeah, things break He's down. almost better in, like, a, a backyard football type right. of envi- environment. You know, roll him out, get him into space, do what you got to do. But uh, you're right. He's not your typical uh, stand in the pocket, you know, look a guy off and, and you know, that type of QB. So we got to play to his strengths. Right. And then, and then, again, the other thing on the offense, AJ, I feel like, and, and we'll touch on the injury in a little bit, but got back to being AJ with that powerful north-south running. Uh, he wasn't trying to just only bounce to the outside. Yeah, he was doing some off tackles to get him outside uh, and get him space. But for the most part, he was taking on contact. He obviously had that awesome double stiff arm play, which was great. Uh, and another long touchdown. So great to see overall. Segways into the injury bug uh, finally hitting the BC locker room like we alluded to a little bit earlier. The big three, uh, AJ, Jeff Smith, and Kobe White. White at least returned uh, and looked okay. AJ was getting taped up and walking around the sidelines, and I, I thought he looked good, and I kind of would have hoped he was going to come in uh, when the game got tight. I think it got down to like three points at one point, and I was expecting to see him come back in. And then Jeff Smith, uh, haven't heard anything on. No updates from Daz on any of these three. So it's very bad if, if any of them are serious, if they have to miss any time at all. Uh, our offense, you know, for the most part, seems to go as, as they go, along with the line and, and A.B., yeah, those are three of maybe the top five guys or so right. that you, you really can't lose, especially, you know, White and Smith together. Those are your top two right. guys. And by the way, Mikey Walker got his head taken off over the middle. That was absurd. Yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple big hits. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think they were held out of practice today, uh, but obviously that doesn't mean anything, you know, for, for Saturday necessarily. Could just be getting the guys a couple extra pieces of rest. I've heard a lot of, and I, I brought up our insider sources, who has given us zero information. That was just to kind of draw you guys in. Oh, it's great. I, um, I, was, I was sitting on the edge of my seat here, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I have some, some non-inside information, but we follow AJ on a lot of social media, and he seems to be acting like a guy that will be not sitting out of a game on Saturday. So we don't want to read too much into that. Um, he hasn't shot us any DMs or anything like that. But, uh, you know, if you believe social media, I have a feeling he'll be in there. Obviously, we need him. Goes without saying. Love Ben Glines, but uh, AJ's our guy back there, obviously. But that probably covers the offense. And here's where we get into kind of the bad news, right? So I don't know what, what's happening to our defense. We're a completely different unit than we were, when, than we were last year. We just have no, no presence up the middle. Uh, and it seems like every, every run up the middle um, is getting – I don't know, five, seven yards with, with regularity. And I, I don't know who, who to put the blame on here. If it's, you know, the, the defensive tackles, if it's the middle linebackers, 
but either way, they got to figure out some type of uh, change to, to what they're doing because that's really it. I, I think well, it that, seems like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean to, me, to me, it seems like a tackling issue, uh, especially if you look at the whatever it was an you know, 80 yard touchdown run the, the guy had. He got hit by like five guys. Uh, yeah, Dennis points. had a direct Dennis hit. Dennis went him with basically, you know, he just tried to swing at him with his forearm and he broke through it. And we kind of, you know, had the same thing against Purdue, obviously, too, um, which, uh, you know, was a terrible call, as we all know. But still, one of those guys just wraps him up and that play is stopped for five yards and we move on. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it. I don't, it's not really a BC thing to want to get the big hit every time. That's that's a we weird thing the that they don't. Hit, but, that but they don't have up. the fundamentals. Like be, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I. I'm with you. That's obviously. And it, it. It. What happens is it. You know, results in these explosive plays. We saw with Purdue and Rondell Moore. Oh, that was kind of a one-off. But uh, you know, runs like that can change the game. And you know, fortunately, the good news is our secondary. In my opinion, I thought they played pretty well considering uh they lost dennis obviously right um i think we got exposed a little bit maybe we, we have a, a weak link back there but i, I think you got to give it to temple's receivers they made some outstanding catches they were uh very very difficult to defend and uh, our guys were all over them in a lot of cases but they were making really good plays down the field obviously they had uh our d-backs had two enormous interceptions uh, Ham Cheevers pl- at it again hamp of course and the taj mahal uh, which i just oh, came I like up that. with That's yeah really just came up with that matt yeah oh. not bad um how do we how do do we miss that yeah um the uh game changing uh really probably game saving interceptions in the uh in the second quarter there that sort of shifted the momentum completely so i I think the headline is the d-backs continue to be solid uh the middle i think the linebackers as a a unit got to start figuring it out um and the d-line outside of zach allen who was one of the, had one of the best games I've seen anyone play. In he, a long he's time. living. He's living up to the hype of this year, and then some. Uh, it's really fun to watch. And, and you know, I, I, I want to touch on Landry in a little bit because in Eagles in the Wild, he obviously had himself a big weekend. But kind of the hype that we expected him to have last year, um, and obviously, you know, he was riddled by injuries. But Zach Allen is delivering on that hype, and then some. Uh, I think Todd McShay came out with this top. Uh, nope. nope. Thirty. Oh, sorry. Nope. Spoiler alert. All right, yep. I, won't, I won't get into that just yet. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, that's that's my dude. Zach Allen is absolutely shooting up the draft. What was his what was his stat line on Saturday? It was ridiculous. It was a couple of sacks, a bunch of swatted balls, like eighteen tackles for a lot a of pressure. It was yeah. He, he leads the ACC in pressure. I know that. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't even he wasn't even you know making tackles every time, but he was in that quarterback. I mean, I don't. They had to move over a tight end to, to you know double double cover Allen. Um, so he, it looks like he's in midseason form. If he can keep that going, he can uh, be a huge yeah. X factor. And I, and I agree. So I think there's enough bright spots on the defense that there's something to be positive about. Again, we mentioned the uh, secondary and then, you know, some of the guys on, on the on the you know front side of things in general. And this is kind of how I felt after Wake 2. It, it's, it's hard to just say ignore the fluky scores because the fluky scores happened and they continue to happen, which is concerning. But Temple had a couple fluky scores. They had that 80-yard touchdown on a missed tackle. They had the fumble return on the kickoff. They got the ball at a very short field on the punt. You know, if we take out these mistakes, which is really what they are, and we take, you know, 15, 20 points off the board, we're feeling a lot better about this team if we won this game, you know, 45 to 20. Similar if, you know, we beat Wake 45 to 20. Uh, so We got some we got some breaks too, though, right? Did. I mean, those picks, yeah. uh, what else happened? I, I don't know. But, but, I, think, but I, think way, picks, I think picks are more situational than, you know, hey, Mike, just hang on to the football, right? And that's a free seven points off the board. So... You know, I, I think that... Oh, it, Zach Allen forced that fumble off the edge. That was the other one. Right, but again, we're forcing these mistakes rather than dropping punts. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess it's just these are things that we can tighten up, I would hope. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that if we want to break it to the next level, we need to put together clean game plans to beat Clemson, to beat uh, Vatek, right? So I, like, don't have the, I don't have the stats on this, but we were extremely clean uh, the second half of last year. And right. it's a big reason why we were so explosive and had the margins of victories that we penalties, had. turnovers, all of it. Um, so we just can't get away from that. It killed us in Purdue, and and I think that will be our downfall if we have a downfall. Uh, that's at any point this year. The other thing too, to, to give the defense some credit, we ran another hundred plays, right? So that's what's going to happen when you're, you're playing that type of football. You give Temple. 80 plays at you know by default because you're running so many you're scoring uh what's 45 divided by seven you're scoring nine what's the math nine times i don't know whatever no. you're kicking you're kicking off now is that wrong 
Nine times seven? Six, it's, it's, that's it's way certainly off. not, yeah. Certainly not. I'm not an accountant or anything. It's a little more than six. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just under six. No, but that's All just right. the byproduct. You don't see, you know, the Big 12, people getting on Oklahoma State or whoever's good in the Big 12 right now. Um, you know, West Virginia for giving up 40 points or 30 points when they score 50, right? So right. I think people, uh, you know, sort of don't understand everything about football. That's what I'm going forward with. Interesting. With, with, okay. my, with my optimistic, uh, you know, look on, on the season so far, which I know I'm on an island here and I know it's, you know, slightly delusional. But uh, these guys will, I think, will pick it up when the competition picks up. And I don't think a 10 point uh, win at, at Temple, while it was ugly at times and in question at, at certain points. Uh, is anything to uh, freak out about at this point? Well, yeah, I'm with you. A win's a win. We got out of there. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but again, a win's a win. Let's move on to the segments here. You had your first dude. Do you have any others uh, in the dude category or only negatives left? Uh, yeah, I actually touched on both of these already, Matt. Shoot. Uh, but my dude is that Zach Allen is officially number 13 on Todd McShay's latest big board in the mock draft Love published just minutes ago. Yep. Um, so defensive end, you lives on uh and you really think about all the guys that are stepping up this year we have like 10 nfl players like this Mm -hmm. is bc and and maybe that's why people are so pissed because we should be way better we have so many good players on this team they're going to be playing on sundays it's pretty cool so that's my dude what do you got uh i have two quick ones so first is koozies so fourth and dude as many of you saw on twitter finally got into the merchandising game just an absolute huge hit Got a big box of koozies delivered, passed them at the Mount of Dewey's, sent some down to our good friend, former QB1, Patty Ice, Patrick Tolls. Um, we got the Dude Alert, the throwback Daz face on the front, the throwback BC logo on the back. Just absolutely fire stuff. We'll be bringing a ton down to NC State. So you and see Matt, us at Raleigh. Be it's 2018. Can, I assume we can get these online. Our fans can get these online. Do we have a distribution strategy? No, we don't, Matt. We're not selling these just yet because okay. I don't think we have the logistics to do so. So yeah, we're you, just, gonna, you throw them on the line and it takes care of itself. Just I can, on the line? Yeah, you just put, just put them on the line okay. and you're good to go. Yeah, no. Uh, it, no, yeah, people we, are clamoring have, for them. We have not maybe gotten there yet. Maybe that's what you're going for is you want to, uh, you know, kind of exclusivity. You, you got right, exactly. Yeah, right. I got gotcha. you. Right. And then, you. you know, people, you know, and then they get on eBay on the secondary market and that's when we attack. So right. uh, cool with me. My second one here uh, is fluffing attendance numbers. So the attendance what? for the Temple game was announced. What's fluffing? Like you're 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 making them larger than what they normally are. Is that the right word? Uh, you're fluffing them up, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. All right, you said yeah, use it in a sentence. All right, got <laughs> it. Sorry, fluffing up of the attendance numbers. So it was announced on Saturday of a little over forty thousand people, uh, which equates to ninety-one percent of the stadium. I only watched it on TV. I was not there, but I, from what I saw, it was nowhere even in the neighborhood of that number. I don't know your thoughts on it. I like that I we was, do it because it makes us look yeah. good in, in the box score and in the ACC standings of, yeah, we're filling 92% of the stadium against a, you know, Mac school. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think – and you're an accountant. You should appreciate this. I just – I think someone is running some numbers falsely there. You think there's a, a fraud situation going on? There might on be. Yeah, you might have to make a trip up to Chestnut Hill. Got it. Hey, someone's got to do it. I was watching on my phone, full disclosure. I was up in Vermont this weekend at a little brewfest situation, you know, conflicted with the game. I did rewatch the game, so I know what I'm talking about. I had it recorded and all that (laughs) before you guys get on me for that. Um, But talk about a terrifying game, by the way, to just watch on your phone thinking, oh, this will be over in the first half. Nope, it's it's not. Temple's going to take the lead. We're going to have 17 turnovers. But anyway, no, it did look empty, Matt. I I would agree. That's a um, that's a dude or a pood for you. Well, it's a dude because I think it's good that we're building up. It's a pood for me because of the fraud, I think. Sure. (laughs) Very, very good point. All right. What else do you have on the negative side? All right. My pood and I I hate that this is becoming a weekly thing where I pick on, you know, a millennial from the Heights this week that had a hit piece. Um, but he, someone posted an article saying something about even in victories, uh, Coach Adazio managed to still F things up. <clears throat> and you can say that like, hey, he hasn't figured out, you know, his defense stinks or, you know, special teams. I guess he touched on, touched on a little bit. But his main thesis was the offensive game plan, which, again, we already talked about this ad nauseum. I don't want to keep talking about it, but we scored 45 points on a really good defense. Uh, that doesn't matter. Just That's not the right time to, to post that article. Maybe he wrote it a couple weeks ago and it just got published today, but his whole thesis was that, oh, well, I was watching the, uh, what was it, the, the Los Angeles Rams play on Thursday night football, and I noticed that their offense is a lot better than our offense. And it's like, huh, 
Yeah, so our offense is not the Los Angeles, the best defense in the NFL over the past two years. Got it. I, I don't know, Matt. It just it we're a running a running football team. That's what we do. I, maybe people think we should be running this Philly special play. You know, every other down. I don't know what it is. People aren't entertained by this brand of football. Big offensive linemen. You know, AJ Dillon, stiff arm people. I don't I don't get it. Uh, maybe go root for a team again in the Big Twelve or, or another conference where they don't play defense. But I'm sick and tired of people hating on this offense because we continue to put up huge numbers, uh, but it's not pretty or, or whatever it is. It's not, you know, an innovative way to play football. Yeah, I'll be BC, and that's that's what we do. It's the same thing with Wisconsin. It works for them. I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I did not expect at the start of the season to develop a feud five games in with basically the entire Heights editorial board. It's been, what, I think two, two weeks in a row now. Uh, so I, this is a trend that I only see continuing, and it kind of came out of nowhere, but... I guess I'm all for it. You know, we, we have to be the optimistic voice out there. Someone's got to do it. So I appreciate you taking on that fight. No, you can't put up 45 points on Temple and then say our offense is, is I agree. I will say for These both millennials, of the articles, they want instant gratification. When they millennial, want passing. You, you realize you're a millennial, right? But whatever. I don't, I don't identify as, as okay. that. No. Right, fair. Uh, so I'll move on to mine. Uh, two relatively in the same sphere. So the first is four-hour games. This game finished at 350 on Saturday afternoon, just completely draining for all parties. My less phone so died. People on the field. I missed the fourth. I missed the fourth quarter because my phone died. Exactly. So less draining for the people on the field and much more draining on us, the fans, for watching. Being at a bar for four hours, you know, it just gets like tiring. Eventually, you're ready to move on, get something to eat, whatever. You're in Vermont. Your phone's going to die. You're running on data, whatever it is. It's mentally draining. You know, the fans. We talk about bad attendance. I don't blame them for not sticking around for four hours against Temple. So. That's a pood for me. we got to figure out a way to get these games faster. Second one I have uh, is these consistent noon and 1230 kickoffs. So I got some stats for you here. Six of our first six Saturday games this year will start between 12 and 1. So that's everything through Louisville, which is the latest one that's been announced. Since we graduated in 2013, we've only had four, quote, afternoon games kickoff between 3 and 6, which is by far the fewest in the ACC. Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Louisville have six, but everyone else has double digits. Uh, and we have 22 starts in the 12 to one window tied with Pitt for the most. It's, it's just brutal because there's nothing better on a Saturday than three, you know, than three thirty football. We had a couple of them in school and those are always the best days. Those are always the best Saturdays, whether it's home or away. And I don't know what, I mean, we have to win is the answer, but I just really want to get back to a point where noon is not the normal and yeah there's a lot of politics yeah there's there's a lot of politics when it comes to this and you know acc is based down south and it's hard for people to give a shit about bc but it's also i think there's something with 330 games having to be selected that's actually not the best time to play rank wise or that's like the low they get the lower pick or something something like that about that yeah i care i mean it's more for the it's for me it's more what is most convenient to tailgate or you know go out and watch it Right. And I think all this will probably change next year with the rollout of the ACC network. Sure. Where I think we'll start to get more favorable times. And as we get better, obviously, as you said, um, you know, right now when BC stinks and they're not interesting to watch, you know, they don't really have the, the national market like some of the Southern teams, you know, do every year. So I sort of get it from that standpoint. But as we continue to, uh, you know, rack up the W's, I think that problem goes away. Yeah. I mean, my big bone to pick, honestly, is with this coming weekend. It's a, what is it, a noon or a 1230 start? But Playing against NC State, who's now a top 23 team, combined the two records, have an 8-1 and one record. When the time was announced, we were in the top 25. I don't get that one whatsoever. Who got the 330 uh, game? Uh, Vate- uh, no, Vatek is a night. Yeah, so they got Notre Dame. Florida State-Miami might be the 330. But there's a couple good matchups on paper, but I don't know. I, overall, it is it is uh, very overwhelming, and obviously you know, I'm a little bitter because we'll actually be on the road there. But uh, moving on from that, Due to the week, I'll let you go first because I have two, and I feel like we'll at least share one of them. Do you get Zach Allen? I don't. Well, one of us, sh- it should be Zach Allen. We already touched on Zach Allen, on him, but that yeah. guy's a monster. I yeah. just can't say enough good things about him. You know, it seems like people were, were sort of down on it. People were on the Wyatt, Wyatt Ray, Sack, uh, Sack King Coltrane, uh, which is great. And, and he's probably, you know, he's going to be a great a great player. But Zach Allen is the guy back there. And um, you saw what he did against, you know, someone that just couldn't handle what he does uh on saturday and if he again if he can keep that up he's an absolute game changer my dude of the week though and this isn't all that original either but just want to make sure aj Dillon's getting the love that he deserves um between that double stiff arm uh you know he's he's third in the nation right now despite sitting you know he was injured obviously the second half of last game 
Uh, he sat out the second half of our first two games. So despite all that, he's still third in the, in the nation in rushing. And it, it almost, you know, he came into the year with some unfair expectations and he's, he's exceeded them in my opinion. He's, he's made some unbelievable plays. Um, but I just, I want to make sure that we are appropriately, you know, appreciating what we're seeing out of Dylan, where he can rip off a 50 yard run. He can stiff arm eight people on the same play. That guy is an animal. And every time he, uh, you know, he's out there, he can do anything. And, and it's just, it's incredible to watch. So appreciate him while he's an Eagle. Cause it's going to, uh, it's going to go by quick. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't think he always gets necessary love, especially this year. Maybe it's because the hype was so high. But um, So I have two, one of them in the running back position. I do want to give a shout-out to Benny the Jet. Came in for AJ after he was hurt, and uh, it was basically what, you know, mid-second half. Put up 120 yards uh, on 23 carries with a touchdown. We've been on this guy's hype train for a very long time, I feel like, uh, because Benny the Jet's a cool nickname and also because mm-hmm. he's, like, the fastest guy in the world, it and- looks like. And he's a spring game hero. He, he always a has a great spring yep. spring game, and we're all like, "This guy is going to break out this That's year." For we got to go out on limbs. So we kind of pick like a uh, you know a lesser known dude of the year. And uh, he's got a lot of tats, which a lot of a lot BC of players do not have. So it's nice to to mix that up. I think the only person with tats this year is uh, Colton Lichtenberg. So <laughs> is, is he tatted up? I, th- I think so. I might be making that up. <laughs> Interesting. Well, anyways, I think he's got one. My second dude of the week, I'm going to keep it in the kicking position, so good segue there. Got to give a shout-out to Danny Longman. Came on for Tessator after another mix, that's your point. So made all of his kicks, which is huge, and more importantly, made the only field goal attempt of the year, which is wild that it happened in Game 5, but I'll take it. My bigger point on Longman is that that is a 10 out of 10 name for a kicker if he ends up panning out. Um, Matt, I'm trying to remember who the um, who the kicker was for like Pitt or Georgia Tech. Uh, well, blew it, blew it. Blew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. basically the opposite of blew it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So That's funny. I love that. So hopefully he ends up, you know, working out. Uh, it sounds like he's at least going to keep the kickoff duties if Colton comes back, because that was apparently what sparked the injury there. So uh, maybe special so teams are do, looking up. Who knows? He do kickoffs, or he do or Colton do kickoffs. Long long man will do kickoffs because he kicks it very long, and Got Colton it. will do kicks for the, I guess, for the time being. But as soon as Colt misses one, we throw Danny we back the, in there. We go to the long man. Got it. That's perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm here for that. Um, all right. Let's 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 go quickly into the courtroom here. Who do you want to start with here? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, so court is officially in session here, Matt. Thank you. Um, I think to kick things off, I, I think the logical place to start is my favorite team that I like to talk about. Syracuse. Yep. You too. You got to you got to talk about Syracuse right now. Um, they're ranked top twenty eight right now. Which, if you said that at the beginning of the year, you'd be laughed out of the room. Um, but they they very nearly pulled off the upset against Clemson. They were a fourth Probably down stop. Have. They were a fourth down stop away from beating beating Clemson. Granted, Clemson's QB went out with a concussion. I think um, so. They were playing against the backup. But it doesn't matter. That's you know the one of the best teams in the in the country, obviously. And to for a team like Syracuse to go down to death to Death Valley and almost pull that off, uh, pretty damn impressive. Eric Dungey, that man is. Uh, I'm, I'm wor- officially worried about that game. You should you should marry Eric Syracuse Dungey just to get is ahead of that. Guilty of probably finishing top three in the Atlantic this year. Okay, I like it. Um, next on my list, Vatek. They were declared dead, or we were at least I think we mentioned if they were declared dead last week. They're innocent of being dead. See you later, Duke. Uh, I never understood that line when Duke was like a five-point favorite or something stupid. Obviously, yeah, Duke I, I picked good. them. That was dumb. It's because yeah. of what I said. I and I, Duke's my dark horse every year, and I'm I'm such an idiot. But uh, well, because it's I love Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. He's a great coach, and he's you know he, he coached Peyton Man anyway. But yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. Um, Duke's officially guilty of being overrated. Virginia Tech. I think we'll pull off the upset this weekend. I can't explain why. It doesn't make sense on paper. Notre Dame looks very, very good. Uh, they beat a, a pretty good Stanford team, obviously, last Saturday night in primetime. Well, that's that's a, that's a good segue, and I've been dreading this. I've been dreading this trial all year. Uh, but Notre Dame, I think, is guilty of of being actually good, and I hate it. And I hate to say it because I think they were so overrated through the first five games, and they were struggling through Ball State and Vandy. They looked phenomenal. Uh, on Saturday night, Stanford just had no answer for them. Pretty much any point in the in the evening, just really crushing. Quite honestly, yeah, that's it's the absolute worst. Uh, I'll give you two more here, uh, real quick. So we got Miami, or no, Florida State at Miami. Yep. What do you got? 
I think Miami, I think, is, is really good. Uh, I, I would take whatever the spread is. I Twelve think, and a half. Yeah, I think I would still take Miami on top of that. Florida State, I think, is still dead and buried. Uh, Miami, obviously, UNC is horrible, but they looked good, I thought, uh, on, was that Thursday night? They looked pretty good. I, I overall think they're a little bit overrated, but Florida State is so, 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 so bad. And they will get better, though, right? I, they I think they better. have to get yes. better than And I, and I wish we were show. playing them now rather than in, you know, whatever, six weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, I agree. No, I, I think that uh, that Miami covers easily. I think I don't think Miami's quite the real deal, but right now Florida State is is just that bad. But by the time we play them, they'll they'll start to figure things out probably. Um, last one on my list here: uh, Clemson at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a, are they officially guilty I, of I, sucking? I, I think they're guilty of being really bad. Yeah, okay. I, I believe me, I wanted to be really high on them, and Notre Dame ruined that one for me as well. So I'm officially going guilty of being bad. Got it. I, I'm holding out hope that maybe the you know they have a you know weirdo WTF game and keep it, it close. It could happen, but I'd rather that be for us. Yeah, ag- agreed. And and you know obviously it sucks that you know we don't want Clemson to, to you know Clemson kind of needs to be undefeated for the ACC to uh, right. to have any sort of respect at least until we play them. Sure. Uh, and then last one I have in, in the court for the day. I do want to talk about the Silence Bowl last weekend: Penn State versus Ohio State. Both guilty of being wow. terrible programs. That's what Ohio State called it, to be fair. It just happened to be very relevant. Yeah, just uh, stick to sports, man. Both guilty of terrible fan bases and terrible atrocities at their program. Let me just say, that play call on fourth and five at the end of the game there, I cannot imagine how the BC fan base would have reacted if Coach Dazio called a fourth and five delayed handoff uh, with the game on the line on the 50-yard line playing a top three team. Um, Agreed. So just a miserable fan experience for Penn State for so many reasons. I, I don't like Ohio State fan mu- fans much, but I'm overall happy when Penn State loses in general. So I guess I'll take it both guilty, again, of being bad fan bases. That's all I have. Yeah, I, Matt, I think we agreed down the line on that one, which is rare. But I think with that, we can officially adjourn the court. Perfect. All right. Two quick eagles in the wild for me, and then let's get into NC State. Missed this one last week, so it's kind of a delayed one. Matt Milano was named the Defensive Player of the Week in the NFL uh, for his standout play with the Buffalo Bills uh, last Sunday. And then keeping it in the same league, Harold Landry. Huge game against Philly on Sunday. Huge strip sack against Philly in the, I don't know if it was officially an upset, but in the big win. Quickly living up to his potential in the NFL, which is obviously awesome to see, uh, you know, especially for the tough senior year he had. On that note, give a little shout out to Mike Vrabel, his head coach. Dude, I was just going to say that. That was mine. I I love the Titans this year. And I'm a Tennessee guy. Everyone knows that. I'm a Nashville guy. I'm a Mike Vrabel guy. I had a Mike Vrabel jersey growing up. He's my favorite guy. And uh, we obviously have his kid on the team, right? Although he hasn't done much this year. We're going to redshirt him. He's redshirting. But yeah, parents weekend. So that's still a good, you know, whatever shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, no, but that was that was mine, and I was going to give Joe Tess a, a shout out as well. Um, you know, just getting back to, we have a lot of famous alums out there, and uh, it's always great to uh, you know have those guys rooting on the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. I think do I don't know if we did a top five notable alumni of, of BC people last year, but if we didn't, we should have. Ours is really good. Our universe is much better than the you know rest of what the uh, other teams give us. So alumni if there's an alternative or parents, 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 dads, yeah, exactly. parents. You know exactly any relation, right? I hear you. Um, all right, with that, we ready to get into the Wolfpack? Yeah, let's talk Raleigh. And this is obviously a, a special one because Matt and I will be there. And not just us. We also have other friends, as we keep telling you guys, whether you guys believe us or <laughs> I don't not. Think they, yeah, I don't think it matters if we keep saying it. I don't think they believe it. No, but it's just, it, we'll officially be there. This is our road trip uh, of the year. We're really excited. It's been circled on my calendar for a long time now. Um, so with that, I'll, I'll get that. I'll get into my NC State fun fact. Um, and it's actually football-related, Matt, which I know we, we don't technically do all that much um, just because it's who we are. But in 2009, uh, Boston College's Montel Harris, who you guys might remember, set two school records with 264 yards rushing and five touchdowns to lead the Eagles to a 52-20 to win over North Carolina State on Saturday. Not a great stat on its own, right? But when you think about the quarterbacks in that game, it's Dave Shinsky outdueling Russell Wilson. 52 to 20 back in 09. Oh, let's go. One of my favorite fun facts of all time. Shinsky, obviously a huge friend of the program. couple baseball um, players. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And a good friend of ours, um, really porous bouncer, uh, again, for, for Rogies <laughs> back in the day, So, which made for a nice uh, sophomore, junior year. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I think I might have used this one last year, but I'm going to go with it uh, anyways again. 
probably went to the same website, so that makes sense. Um, so their colors in the 1800s were pink and blue at one point, and then brown and white. And on that same note, the university has had five official names since they were founded. So in general, they're very inconsistent, big flip-floppers. I don't know what that says about them or their alumni, but overall, just kind of a weird look. Also, pink and blue for a college team, I feel like would be really, uh, for any team, for that matter, would be kind of a strange setup. So overall, I think red and white uh, is a good winner. Matt, I don't want to. I don't want to rain on your parade. I think you plagiarized word for word what you had last year. I may year have. I may have just, I may have just cut in. I may have cut in the clip from an earlier episode. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Again, there's only so many fun fact websites. Google a college, and then there are fun facts, and you're probably going to get the same website every single year in a row. So I do the best I can. Moving on into the travelability. Again, as Matt mentioned, this is a very special uh, travelability score for us, since we will be there. Uh, got the whole Airbnb set up. Raleigh's supposed to be an awesome town. So we, you know, we got a big uh, reservation over the barbecue spots on, on Friday. Got a whole list of bars to get to. We got some playoff baseball to watch the weekend. It's going to be a time. Let me just let me say that much. In terms of the actual trip itself and the score, I would give it a couple big pros in this category for me. One, it's a ranked team, top twenty-five. Uh, it is an ACC showdown while we still are alive in the conference, which again over the past ten years have, have been somewhat rare. Uh, it's supposedly a great tailgate scene. That's what I've heard, and I'm excited to kind of mix it up with uh, the locals there. It's in a city, so there's stuff to do around the weekend, so that's always a big plus for me rather than you know going to like Blacksburg or something where you're just kind of in the middle of nowhere and the game is all we have. I hate them as a city right now because they stole the Whalers. Uh, everyone knows I'm a Hartford guy, so I always have some resentment, and just recently that flared up uh, with their release of the new third jerseys, which of course are the Whalers' throwbacks. The rest of the hockey world was psyched about it. Not me, not my former Hartford uh, or my yeah, my Hartford brethren. So overall, very are they based right in Raleigh? Now. They are, Matt. The Hurricanes are. They are. Uh, the the arena is literally right next to Carter Finley Stadium. So I might protest. Really? Yeah, I might protest yeah. while I'm down there. Bring some signs. Very cool. Weather report. A little, uh, a little uh, in the middle right now. So it's going to be brutally hot. The feels like temperature for Mackie weather is in the mid 90s. So that's going to be tough for us in person. Possible showers, uh, which obviously would put a damper on it, and thunder showers, which makes sense if you get those high temperatures. Overall, though, a very high score. I am super excited for this trip. I'm, I'm really glad the schedules have worked out the way it is that we're a combined eight and one in their top 25. I'm going 27.2 RVs. Cannot wait to get down there on Friday. Yeah, I think you covered just about everything. I'll add a couple things that you missed. Down south, nothing better than being down south. I'm a southern guy. Uh, say, Hang on, real quick, while, while we're here, can we get a quick power rankings of your southern states? I know you mentioned Tennessee, and I know you're a big South Carolina guy. I would just love to get your top three. Yeah, so I'll go reverse order, Matt. Um, number three, I would probably go with Georgia. Okay. Number two, I'm going to go with Tennessee. And number one, I got to go with the, the home of the Gamecocks, South Carolina. Yeah, I appreciate your loyalty. All right, keep yeah, going. North Carolina is four. Um, just so, you know, just so you guys know, but Raleigh's cool. It's, uh, um, as you said, it's, it's a, it's a walkable, you know, nice campus, really nice, uh, tailgate situation. Fun fact, Matt, at halftime, similar to what we did at army and it's less cool now that we, you know, alumni serves beer, but at halftime you can leave the stadium, drink a beer and come back inside. It's just a real treat. Um, yeah. So that's so. a challenge for us cause we don't have a car. So like we're not going to have like a tailgate, uh, you know, fort. We're just kind yeah, of we'll find like a tree, or and... we'll we'll no, we'll find someone with a okay. I'll throw it in someone's trunk. We'll we'll do some networking. It's gonna be great. Uh, but you're right. We're four and one, uh, which isn't bad. We get a chance for a huge upset. Not a, not really a huge upset, but it's an opponent that we can beat that would bring uh, you know a W would really reignite this entire fan base. Um, and this is our, our really our last test before uh, Miami Friday night. I don't want to you know look past Louisville, but whatever. I, we're gonna beat Louisville, right? So. Um, you know, with all that said, I, I think, uh, you know, this has the makings for a pretty perfect road trip. I'm going 28.4, and it's probably a little inflated because we're going, but I think that's the right number. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think nothing but positivity. Again, this would be a humongous win for the program, for the season, for these players, whatever, and, and for our general outlook the rest of the way. So, again, moving into the top five plus six-man notable alumni, because this is a repeat opponent, similar to what we did for Wake Forest. Rather than people, we are kind of going for top five plus six-man notable, uh, I guess we'll call it mascots. In this case, top five plus six-man notable wolves or wolf packs. So we're getting a little creative with this, a little outside the box, I guess. The wolf pack, I feel like, is, a, is one that it actually works moderately well for. Demon Deacons was tough. 
Demon Deacons was was very difficult. I'm still very tentative about the whole hokey situation that we got to deal with for a few weeks from now. Hokies will be bad, yeah. (laughs) Wolf Wolf was pretty good, though. Um, And I can kick it off here because I have a feeling he's on your list, too. Uh, I'm going to go with Wolf Blitzer, who is uh, obviously a real human. Um, I think he's he's one of those guys that he's on the news, right? He's CNN or one of those, right? Special uh, consultant or not consultant, special reporter. He's everywhere. All he does is report the news. Um, what do you, what do you say, Matt? He's, he's on CNN literally 24 hours a day. Like right. no matter what time you turn the channel on. It's either he, him or the other guy, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, exactly. Sterling Shepard. It's amazing. So I don't think he sleeps or there's like seven of them at CNN headquarters. Matt, good job. I'm really proud of you when you, when you do the wolf, uh, piece well, cause I think you're always nervous. So you're not going to have good answers, but don't sell yourself I've been, short. Uh, yeah, I've been very, uh, you know, whatever the word is about this whole wolf mascot thing. Sure. Um, but that came together pretty nicely. I got one more Wolf Blitzer fun fact for you before we uh, keep going here. <laughs> Let's hear it. In um, September, back in uh, about 10 years ago, uh, September 17, 2009, uh, Wolf Blitzer competed on an episode of Celebrity Jeopardy, and he finished with negative 4,600. That's tough. Which was shocking to me because you figure he's a smart guy up on current events and all that. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Um, all right, well, I'll go for my top two. First one uh, for me with the second overall pick is pretty obvious. Going to go with the Hartford Wolfpack. Obviously, we talked about the Whalers. Once they left town, the Hartford Wolfpack came in as the AHL affiliate to bring uh, minor league hockey back to the insurance capital of the world, the Rangers affiliate. So, you know, always a good time to get out. It's, you know, they, I think on like one of the Thursday nights or something, it's like a dollar hot dog and $3 beer. So, just a good time, uh, you know, in the capital city. Third pick, the Wolfpack from The Hangover. So the the fellows Doug, Stu, Alan, and Phil. One of my favorite comedies of all time. It's on the HBO syndicate right now, so always gets a decent amount of play. They are the Wolfpack running in the desert for, was it Strippers and Cocaine, I believe? Uh, yes, that is that is okay. correct. So they're my third overall pick. Very good, Matt. Um, I'm going to go with, um, with my fourth pick here. I'm going to go with Werewolves of London. Which Ooh, is just an it. absolute uh, dynamite song by. Uh, if you asked me this five minutes ago, I would have had it. Just one of these off the top. I'm going to. It's not Steppenwolf, is it? No, it's it might not be... Steppenwolf. Are that you sure? Your... No, I'm positive. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a guy's name. Oh, Warren. Yeah, Warren Zevon. No, Zevon. That's, that's not the good version. Yes, it is. Really? Yeah. It was called something else on my iTunes. Uh, but anyway, just an absolute dynamic, electric, every adjective in the book song. Um, just nothing nothing bad to say there. That's a really good one for me, Matt. Yeah, that's um, great. I'm proud of you there again. I have another real person, too. Uh, Josh Wolf, who was a member of the U.S. national team, uh, MLS All-Star. You're a soccer guy. Do you know him? He was pretty big, maybe before your time. The reason Name's very familiar, yes. The reason that he's, you know, I'm picking him, it's not just some rando. Um, he was a South Carolina Gamecock, speak, speak of the <laughs> devil. Um, and get this, Matt, he played back in the, you know, 1997, 98 era. And little Matty used to go watch him uh, on a regular basis play Gamecock soccer during my time in Columbia. Nice. That's just bringing back good memories of a Southern upbringing. I love it. That's right. Y'all. <laughs> With six overall pick and final pick here, I'm going to go with the former NHL hockey player turned Iceland head coach, Wolf Stanson, a.k.a. The Dentist. So kind of a villain. Oh, wow. It's a pretty good one, huh? Uh, Man, that was right in front of me. Yeah, so pretty good hockey player. Definitely a villain, but, you know, again, he was a phenomenal coach. Obviously led a really good program for a long time. Uh, so have to give him some love here. He couple, owes he, he owes Coach Bombay a beach ball. He does. I don't know if he ever paid that one back yet. Couple uh, honorable mentions for me: The Boy Who Cried Wolf, uh, great fable. The Gray with Liam Neeson, really good movie about him kind of evading a wolf pack, I believe, in Canada, but maybe Alaska. And then any of the episodes or scenes involving wolves in the Planet Earth uh, or not North America documentary series. I'm a huge fan of those. Get them in HD. It's just an awesome time. The wolf scenes are, are some of my favorites. Also love anything with bears uh, or any of the big cats. Anything in the you know Africa uh, space with, with lions and things like that are always Yeah, a little emo scenes. there. It gets pretty violent there, Matt. I'm like a penguin guy, and you watch okay. those guys go. And it's oh, there's nothing like just watching a group of wolves hunt. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, got a, I have a couple as well. Um, they're literary, and I know we, we can't spend a lot of time here, so I'll go through them quickly. <laughs> the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, obviously, oh, there is no wolf in there, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, it came up on the search because the wolf is the chief of the White Witch's secret police. Okay. Um, didn't okay. read that book, but that's what I have there. Glad I didn't have to use that. And then obviously, spoiler alert, Professor Lupin is a werewolf in Harry Potter. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we don't play any lions this year, unfortunately. So otherwise, I would say you could save that. But okay. Uh, all right. So we only have about 10 minutes left here, which is I don't think we did the best time budgeting our, our time this episode. But Too many wolves. Too many wolves. It's hard. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Uh, so let's talk NC State. This is going to be, in my opinion, the toughest opponent we've played so far by a considerable margin. Starting up front, Ryan Finley, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's at the top QB uh, on the draft board for 2019, currently averaging 328 yards per game with a nice 69% completion percentage. Uh, and on the other side of him, he's just got phenomenal receivers. So even when he plays poorly, like he, I think he had a bad half uh, to start against UVA last week, they bail him out, they make plays, they get open, they allow for easy throws. So offensively, they're an aerial attack, and I'm not looking forward to seeing that on Saturday. Yeah, but guess whose number we always have every single year? Ham Cheever's Accords to break up the aerial attacks from the opposition. Is that what you're going to get at? Yeah, something like that. Okay. I mean, Finley versus BC, historically, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we at least had a couple picks against them in 2016. Um, which by the way, the 20, and we love Patty tolls and we love that 2016 team. That 2016 team was not our best and we beat NC state. Um, we always beat these guys no matter what, but specific to Finley, um, you know, that was a pretty good, pretty good NC state team. They had Finley, they had Naheem Himes. Um, they had, you know, guys playing the NFL right now. Right. And Jalen Samuels, I think was, was there then as well. Um, 2017, uh, the only reason they beat us was, you know, because we had Darius Wade playing, but we still held Finley to. I think a hundred and something yards. I mean, something ridiculous. Yeah, like he had that. his worst game of the year, pretty much, right? So uh, it's it's something about BC, and it's it's always been the fact. You know, NC State never plays BC well, and it's not even a Dave Doran thing. It's going all the way back to Tom O'Brien and, and beyond. Um, especially, we always beat him at at home. You know, when when they're playing, when they're hosting us, right? So for all those reasons, Matt, I, and I'll get into my prediction later, but I can't. As good as their offense is. I, we, we always defend them well. So this might be a, a well-timed game for our defense to wake up a little bit, start to figure it out. We know they got talent back there. You know, our secondary, I think, is, is you know good enough to play with anyone in the country. And uh, as long as we can stop the run game, I think we have a serious shot to uh, you know hold them to the, the typical 17, 21 points that we've been holding to since the last know, 10 years or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say again, uh, on a positive note, as good as their passing game is, that's kind of their their you know biggest strength by a mile. Uh, their run game is pretty weak, twelfth in the ACC right now, and their line in general has looked really good in pass protection, but very poor uh, on the run side of things. So they've only allowed two sacks for Finley this year, but again, leading a pretty weak uh, rushing attack there. So you know, certainly some different schemes. Defensively, they're solid; they don't really have any huge weaknesses. Um, they protect the ball again. Going back I mean, to Finley, they haven't played anyone yet, man. Yes, so that's yeah, that's my other note. They have not played anyone quality yet. It almost is a little bit, and they're ranked twenty three right now too. So it's how we were after Wake Forest. It reminds me a little bit of us after Wake Forest, uh, where we had you know played one ACC game, looked good, but the other two games we took absolutely nothing from. That's kind of where they are right now. They played Marshall, uh, James Madison, and I think did they play Old Dominion as well? Is that their fourth game in addition uh, to UVA? Um, so whatever, no one big West Virginia was supposed to be their big game, but that obviously got hurricaned out. So we don't really know what to expect out of them. I think for that reason, the line is, is, you know, floating around four points right now. Cause it's a little bit of a variable, but I mean, look, they're, they're a solid team on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, they don't make many mistakes. Um, so, you know, it's, that's going to be our key is, is can we find a way to get pressure? Uh, again, their lines look good. The Sack brothers, Zach Allen and, and Sack King Cole, have been red hot. So they need to make Finley uncomfortable for the first time this year, cause some interceptions, cause some turnovers, cause some pressure, whatever it might be. But if we let him be comfortable, I think he will pick apart our secondary as good as they've looked. Uh, so that's, for me, the the big key. Can we get pressure? I think I think it, we'll, we'll all go as the pressure goes. I'm not nearly as high on their defense. Uh, I don't think they're mediocre. They got absolutely gutted uh, with the draft. They, I mean, they obviously, they were outstanding last year. Uh, Bradley Chubb terrorized us last year. I think he had he two did, and a half yeah. sacks. Yep. Um, but there's a ton of new faces uh, on the line, on the linebackers, and in the secondary. Um, I think six or seven of those guys got drafted on on not on defense alone, but uh, a lot of them were on the defensive side. I think actually three of the uh, three of the D linemen are playing the NFL right now. So um, 
you know, I think they, they did have some depth and they got some guys in there, but either way, there's a ton of new faces, not a lot of playing time, you know, between all of them. And, um, you know, I, I think that our offense has an opportunity to, to do some damage on these guys. Uh, it's something about playing NC state and, and, and Dave Doran does not strike me as a guy that is all that great of a coach. I think they overachieved last year to win nine games. You know, obviously they, you know, we're, we're hoping to win more, but I think that's their ceiling, right? I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're a better team than nine and four and they're getting, you know, they're starting to get some of the hype that they, uh, that they do every year, which is always unfounded. Um, but this does not strike me as a team that I put in the top five of, of likely teams that we're going to lose to. It's a must win for us. And I think our guys are, are motivated after, uh, you know, maybe not showing up, you know, as, as much as they usually do for the past few games. For all those reasons, I like us, our offense, to finally wake up. I think our defense can handle these guys. I think, uh, you know, Lucas is back. Again, he's going to want to prove himself. Uh, Zach Allen can, can absolutely play with, with, the, with the, you know, line that, that lost some guys from last year. And they lost some good receivers from last year. So my point being, I think that this is not the NC State team that it was last year. We almost beat them last year with a backup quarterback. And if we didn't throw some picks, we probably would have. Uh, so if this is a game where BC finally wakes up and we see the real BC that we've been hoping for all summer long, um, you know, I, I think it, it would make a lot of sense for us to, uh, to really, you know, time that this game. Let's you know get the prediction. That? Yeah. Let's get the prediction. All right. Uh, officially official prediction here. And it's going to be a little, little wonky here. Um, just cause that's how BC plays. I got 31, 27 and a nail biter. These games never go uh, you know, spread more than three or four points. Uh, it will be a one possession game. Whoever has the ball last, I got BC getting the ball last and I got BC getting out of Raleigh with a W. I love it. Um, a couple things I'm watching for. So again, like I said, 23rd ranked team, there's a curse of the 23rd ranked team. As we all know so far this year, they've lost in four out of five weeks. Uh, the team that's been ranked 23rd, obviously Boston college, uh, unfortunately being one of them. We avoid the big plays, so they're first in, in ACC in completions of 10 and 20-plus yard plays. That's something we have to avoid. Again, that all kind of speaks to the time you give Finley and, and his good receivers. The other key for me is, is we need to get off the field. Too often the last couple of weeks, we've been giving up big third and, in some cases, fourth down plays of you know 10-plus yards. we got to get off the field when we can, especially in this heat. We saw what the heat did to our guys uh, you know, down in Winston-Salem. They're going to be gassed, so we got to you know make sure we're controlling the tempo where we can and keeping our offense on the field where we can to give our uh, you know defense a breather so that Finley just doesn't torch us in the second half. To be completely honest, I don't have a great feeling about this game. Uh, this is by far the most negative I've felt about a game in this season so far. Finley is just an absolute monster. Uh, I don't have a ton of trust in our defense in the grand scheme of things, but again, I will say on the positive side of it, if we get pressure, that's kind of all our secondary needs to go to work. If we get pressure, that forces a couple bad throws. And if you make a couple bad throws, they can take advantage. If you give them all day, like any secondary, I mean, there's no one who can stop it if you just give them all day. So that's kind of where it's all going to go there. Um, you know, I think overall with, and as I kind of touched on earlier, if we avoid these big mistakes, if we have a clean game. Clean special teams. Clean special teams, That might teams, be the right? X factor. Let's just, not, let's just not give away 15 points. If we... Don't give away 15 points. And if we don't give away 15 points to Wake and Temple, we feel so much different about this team right now, despite the same record, despite everything else. So I'm thinking that if we can just keep this game clean, if we can limit mistakes, again, primarily on special teams, maybe get one or two breaks to go our way. As nervous as I am about this game, I'm saying we find a way to win 44 to 38. I don't know how I get to those numbers. There's a lot of missed extra points in there. Shout out to Longman. I, I feel like I can't, predicted a loss just yet because they haven't shown me enough bad things but just know that this is my lowest confidence score i've ever had in a six-point win i want to caveat mine that dylan is healthy dylan and, yeah. at least one of kobe white and jeff smith are healthy um healthy being 100 we're in big and, trouble and, if, yeah, and we're in big go. trouble if that's not the case yeah and i'll give you my official prediction if it without i'm actually not going to do that don't do it dylan, don't will, dylan it. will be dylan will be good he'll, he'll be there and he'll power through um I don't, matt how can you predict I, I don't know. We're going to be there. I, I think that I predicted a win. I, I know, but you, you're just you're bringing a lot of negative energy right now. So I'm just bringing a lot of cautious optimism. That's all. Mine's mine's a 31-27 win, but it's like handily. It's not like it's not not <laughs> it's really just a blowout. A real real four point blowout. We're, here. we're never we're never going to lose this game. We're not sure. really going to win by four points. Okay. All right. Any uh, any closing thoughts for you? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, obviously, we're going to rally, and it would be 
a heck of a Saturday if we get out of there with a win. Five and one um, would be a, a you know a, a nice step forward in the road to fourteen and one. And um, yeah, let's go down there and let's take care of business. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to finally see this team in person. Look, the ACC is clearly in a down year. This could be a huge opportunity for us to rip off a special year, get back to Charlotte, win some big games. But I think this is a critical game to do so, obviously. Uh, officially, the fourth and dude road trips are 1-0 since we started the podcast. We did UVA. Half of us did UVA last year, but we had a big group trip. Podcast wasn't full swing at that point. Can't think of a better time to keep this streak alive than this weekend. Let's get to 2-0. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter for plenty of content throughout our time down there at fourth and dude. And Matt, the road to 14-1 keeps rolling along. It's always a great day to be a dude. into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.